Welcome to the Build to Rent podcast, the first ever real estate show dedicated exclusively to helping investors go from raw dirt to a cash-flowing rental property. Whether you're looking to do a massive syndication or a one-off rental property, the Build to Rent podcast will help you get there. Our hosts, Steve Olson, Chase Levitt, and Sherida Zanger, bring together more than 4,000 properties of experience as they break down how to find and finance projects, make the most of market and tax strategies, and maximize the returns of a build to rent portfolio. This is the Build to Rent Podcast. And now, today's episode. Welcome to the Build to Rent Podcast. I am Steve Olson here with Sherida Zanger and a guest host our our friend chase levitt broke his finger playing softball he must be terrible at softball he's actually not is he sherida no he's legit he's he's crazy we played in a company softball tournament and i think he was number nine and i heard the guys on the other teams that number nine guy's everywhere he can't get it around him so Apparently, he, he caught the ball wrong, broke his finger, and he is in, in uh, opiate land right now, not podcast material. So we have Lane Aldrich of First Colony Mortgage here with us, and um, Sherida and I spend most of our time doing uh, fourplex master plan projects, and Lane is our preferred go-to lender on all of those. And so we thought it would be good to have him in here to talk about some of the intricacies in financing, because when you're going to build a rental product, single family home up to four unit properties, up to a fourplex, if you've got the option, Lane as a lender would be somebody you would want to go through because the terms and, and, and everything associated with those kinds of loans are, are better than your, your garden variety commercial loan. So you're doing little one-off deal, or maybe you're doing five or six fourplexes. You need to look into your financing. Lane's here to help us out with that. Welcome aboard, Lane. Happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Are you going to do such a good job that we're going to fire Chase? Most likely. Um, and at this point, I am glad that you didn't bring up the fact that we played in a softball tournament together a couple years ago, where I played one inning with your team and blew up my MCL in that one inning as well. So I'm not on Chase Levitt's level as far as playing. Um, but as far as getting hurt, you know what? We just don't have to go there. So your professional softball career ended that night. It did, unfortunately. Didn't you play the next year, though? I didn't. Oh, okay. So that was the end. That was it. I remember that I fateful night. Yeah. I, was, I actually came over and watched your kids. You did? Yeah. I played, what's that, Pokemon with your son, with Logan. That's right. Yeah. Oh, that's true. That's, that. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. These are some tender moments are yeah. surfacing right <laughs> we now. We go way back. So, yeah. <laughs> so Lane um, was, was never drafted, and then the knee injury only lessened his chances. <laughs> that's right. So he, I think he's given up all hope. But luckily, he's good at something else. So uh, Lane keeps his eye on the macro side of lending as it pertains to what uh, we'll call these conventional loans, right? Somebody gets a loan to buy a house and live in it. That's a conventional loan. And you can get a conventional loan and live in a, a duplex and rent out one side, or you could get a conventional loan and investor own a, a fourplex, not live in any of it and just rent it out purely for, for cash flow and appreciation purposes. So Lane, there, there, we talk all the time about some of this stuff. And Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, the, the main agencies, got kind of cute recently on some of this. They've walked it back. 
What are you seeing on the macro level about appetite for lending and any anything unique that you feel like is worth knowing? Sure. Well, in a lot of ways, um, and investors will know this, it's been a unique year in, in both home building, home finance, the market in general. Lending did not go unscathed from some big adjustments from the, the new administration coming in and also assessing what needs to happen to try to, to create a more healthy market for real estate, uh, create opportunities for people who want to come in and purchase a home to own or occupy. And as part of that, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are in conservatorship meaning that they are essentially run by the Treasury, even though they're publicly held. It's a unique situation. And as part of that, the Treasury gets to dictate the, the type of guidelines uh, and, and restrictions as part of their stock agreements for these entities. And there was a, a, a hidden clause in there that had been ignored for a long time that says, for Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac's overall portfolio, they really wanted to limit the scope of second homes and investment properties as a part of the overall lending that runs for their system. And they decided earlier this year that they actually wanted to enact that, uh, meaning that they wanted to keep the amount of second homes and investment properties being financed and, and funneled through these, these financing channels down to uh, typically about 8% or less of their portfolio. When it had been running a lot hotter than that for the last couple of years, particularly this year, there was a lot of money that came in to business owners through PPP loans, a lot of stimulus money, um, that, that people were more liquid than normal. And one of the first thing they did was turn to real estate. I want another second home. I've got more money for investment properties. And that was straining uh, home buyers' abilities to come in and, and purchase homes. So they, they decided to enact that guideline uh, or enforce it essentially and got very aggressive with it. Instead of, uh, hey, we're going we're gonna to phase this in over six months, 12 months, they, they came to lenders like First Colony or some of the larger banks that you would have heard of and said, hey, you have got two months to wind down your investment property financing um, and it hit everybody, it kind of caught everybody off guard. And that was in March or April or so. And so investment property financing, you could get it, um, but it was kind of offset by higher interest rates and lenders saying, hey, we want to do less, so we're going to make the financing less attractive. So that's what we dealt with a lot over the summer. And then something happened where the current administration said, we realize we want to create more affordable housing. And investors who are building and, and acquiring properties to create rental units actually create uh, or help promote affordable housing because that what creates do you know? inventory, right? So shocking revelation, right? Investors are actually good for the economy. They're good for, for, for housing. Um, and it turns out when you restrict an investor's ability to get financing, you're also essentially restricting the ability to, to create or promote an environment for more affordable housing. And so this new rule that they enacted in March was actually walked back about six weeks ago where they came back and said, you know, look, this was not as effective as we thought, and we needed to reverse it. And so uh, this is a concern that I get that gets brought up with investors. Hey, Lane, is there going to be financing for Fannie Freddie stuff? What about these two to four units I'm under contract on a new construction? For the time being, there's nothing to worry about that. And the market will always find a way anyways. Um, while that restriction was taking place, there, there's a lot of new portfolio loans and different options that were coming to market to absorb what Fannie and Freddie had walked away from. And so if something like that ever happens again, the market's going to be more ready this time. But that's a concern that gets brought up a lot. I'm, I'm happy to be able to come and deliver good news about that, that the, the environment for investment property financing, not only are rates and terms attractive, but the, the current administration and, and government officials recognize the need for the role that investors are playing here. That's good. That's good. I keep thinking of, uh, of Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park, you know, the market 
finds a find, way. Finds a way. Yeah. Yeah. Was that that was a mediocre Jeff Goldblum impression at best? But what what you said stuck out to me. It's interesting. You have this gap, and it appears to be widening. Homeowners want somewhere to live. Well, let's not even call them homeowners. Let's call them occupants. Whether People. you own the place that you occupy or you rent it, we we have a need for that sort of thing. And then you look at what business owners, what the market can actually deliver. And and they cannot satisfy the need of many of those people, primarily because of cost, land and labor. And we've talked about that a lot on this podcast. And so I'm actually relieved to see that politically they understood it's investors that are filling that gap. Right. If, if investors have the capital and the appetite for risk, to come in and close that gap. Otherwise, where are these people going to live? Yeah, government doesn't build homes. They do not. They can't. They can only sponsor and promote an environment where someone else can. Um, and, and when you take a portion of that out of the market, when the in-country is already short $5.5 million housing units, you're just further creating or exacerbating the problem. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, and you're getting these investors to come in and they're having to put 25% down, right? They're putting more skin in the game. We're not talking about somebody that's coming in trying to put three and a half percent, five percent down. So there is more skin in the game. And the guidelines, I think, have tightened around qualif- qualifying for it as well. So we'll get into that in another podcast. But yeah, no, it has. Uh, being a, a business owner has, has had a lot of uh, pros over the last couple of years for, for many people, if you're able to tap into government resources and relief programs. But it has. It's, it's, uh, it's a little bit more difficult to get financing right now if you're a business owner because things are a bit more volatile than normal. But, um, but yeah, this is not referencing the Burr model where you're going to come in, rehab it. Those are owner-occupied, and there's still the ability to come in and get great owner-occupied financing on a one-to-four-unit property. But in most of the markets where I lend in, that you've just kind of priced out of that as from, from a loan, uh, loan program perspective. For everybody listening, Lane talks about the Burr model, B-triple-R, right? Buy, renovate, rent, refinance. Oh, did I get it right? Renovate's the same. Preston's given us, you know, Preston told me I was referring to the podcast as the wrong name earlier. We're going to have to go back and listen. No, he's right. The audacity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> whenever whenever Preston's right, we like to treat him like he's wrong. Um, I don't know. So it's healthy. Buy rehab or, or renovate, you know, whatever you want to call it. So it, that's a good model, but that's really hard to do right now. In fact, in the news this morning, Zillow. <laughs> takes a major oh dive. I don't know if anybody's listening to this, but and, and I talked to so many real estate agents and, and rehabbers that were just furious about this, right? Because look, if you're in this business, if you do anything with single family homes and rentals, you already hated Zillow with the fire of a thousand sons, right? Yep. Be, because how many times has a tenant or an, uh, a buyer come to you and said, well, Zillow said, oh, geez, right? And sometimes they say valuable things, but Zillow opened up a home flipping division, right? Brought all that institutional capital. You know, you can get all that money out of Silicon Valley, uh, off of Sand Hill Road, and come in and you can you can pay exorbitant fees for houses in Tennessee and Missouri and Nevada, right? That people want to buy, but they can't hang with Zillow. And then what was the what was the news about Zillow? Uh, anyone of you want to take this one? Oh, sweet mercy. It turns out their algorithms about pricing, which for the record have always been wrong, it turned out that Zillow was the only entity that didn't know that their data <laughs> was wrong. <laughs> and they were buying properties for bad prices uh, yes. and overpaying 
where, where typically you'd, you'd want to come in and find a distressed property or a quick sell or something, because that's where your delta is when you're a house flipper. There's no delta. There's nothing there. Uh, and they, it, it, how, how deep into purchases were they? I, don't, I didn't catch the number. I don't know, but I heard, I heard, uh, I don't know if it was the CEO or somebody on, on uh, Tech Check on CNBC this morning saying, hey, look, we're shareholders in our company, and the responsible thing to do is to shut this thing down that's bleeding cash. There's a, yeah. there, there's a reason appraisers don't use Zillow. Mm-hmm. Right. No, oh, Preston wow. says 300. Come on, Preston. Uh, no, just that. I need a microphone. Yeah, 360 million in a quarter. Yeah. And they're laying off 25% of their workforce. Yeah. Go Zillow. That, that stinks for them, but it'll be interesting to see what happens in the market. Um, does that free up inventory for owner occupants or smaller investors who now don't have to compete with the Zestimate, right? right. The, that's crazy. A lot of people are going to be happy about their little mishap here. I, have we hid that we're happy? I don't think we've done a very good job about this. I don't think so. Okay, uh, one other thing I want to ask you. Where do you see rates going? I know that's a big question that people are asking. I know on a lot of our projects, right, we're looking for stuff that probably isn't going to go into long-term financing for about 12 months to 18 months. Yeah. So we usually say to you, hey, kind of on a horizon, what are you seeing? What have you been told? Where are you thinking rates are going to go? Sure. Um, gosh, that's a fun question. It's a loaded question too, because we're in uncharted territory in the sense that interest rates historically have, have come down. We're in a low interest rate environment and it's been trending down since the the eighties, but, um, interest rates for mortgages and and properties are, are tied to treasuries. Treasuries are tied to inflation. Inflation right now is as high as it's been in over 20 years, yet interest rates and treasuries have detached because the narrative coming from the fed is, Hey, they, they use the word, they're going to stop using it today. I know the Fed's having a big announcement today. They're getting away from this word, transitory, saying, hey, all of you are freaking out about inflation. To us, it's not real, so we're going to look past it. And they have convinced everyone buying bonds, including themselves, that bonds uh, can be sold at a discount because this inflation that's, that's happening isn't real. Um, that's not true anymore. And so what we might see, what we're keeping an eye on, too, is... As, as these bottlenecks continue and, and there's an upward pressure on prices, which should also mean um, inflation, do rates catch up to that? And interest rates, honestly, I, there's, there's upward pressure. The Fed's going to wind down their bond buying program where they're, they're artificially buying rates down. So the market's going to have to catch up to what their appetite is, uh, what, what it really is. But interest rates are headed up. I mean, you can still get the high threes on a 30-year fixed uh, fourplex investment. I see that moving into the fours next year. You could see it just run off for a little bit where it, where it spikes another percent or two for a couple months, and then the market realizes that it, uh, it can't stay competitive or keep up with those rates across the board and not just mortgages, and they come back. But that's a long answer to your question just because there's so much going on right now, and some of it you can gauge off of historical data, and some of it you can't. It, it's just newer, and you're saying, what's this is so detached from what normally happens, what's going to happen here? But the overall trend is, is up. Um, but for the long term, I, I don't think it's up substantially. So I, I still think that the two to four unit Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac loan product is going to continue to be a great investor go to for a long time. Okay, good to know. Yeah, yeah. the The economy is is highly addicted to those low rates. Um, yes, that you know, whenever we get, whenever they start hiking that, and they they taper, you get they call it the taper tantrum. Yes, 
right. 13 was the, was a real big last one uh-huh. that caught everybody off guard. Yeah. So I, it, it may just be kind of the new, the new normal. And you, you got to wonder, could they even come down at some point? You hear about negative rates in some of these, uh, Western European countries, right? Yeah. What if you got paid to borrow? I'd sign up. Yeah. Who wouldn't? Yeah. That'd be awesome. That's crazy. That's crazy. Now, Preston clarified it was actually $420 million that Zillow lost. Last quarter. Yeah. No big deal. That's some bad flips. 420 can be a magic number. That's <laughs> Jeez. They, they get some good vibes from that. That's just what I hear. Paint's not that expensive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to have Lane on our next episode as well. We wanted to go through some of this macro stuff. We're going to get more into the micro and the nuts and bolts of this kind of financing because it's so important um, if you personally are taking title to investment properties and, and how you position those. It's a very valuable asset, um, the, these loans. And they come with a, a couple tips and tricks, and we'll get into that on the next episode. Thanks for joining us here on the Build to Rent podcast. We will catch you next time. Thanks for listening to the Build to Rent podcast. You are now just a few clicks away from joining our community of Build to Rent investors. All you have to do is follow our show on Facebook, LinkedIn, or wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can also watch this episode and more by subscribing to the Build to Rent podcast on YouTube. The information presented in this podcast is general in nature. Nothing in this presentation should be construed as financial advice or recommendations for any particular situation. The hosts are only licensed to provide advice and services in the states where they are specifically licensed. And listeners should seek the advice from an appropriately licensed professional in the area where they invest. The examples presented in this presentation are for illustration only, and no guarantee that similar results can be achieved, since the facts, circumstances, and participants are all different.